Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, this week's sermon was brought to you by yours truly. Uh, The main theme of the sermon this last week was about truth. What does it mean to listen to the voice of truth? In the gospel, Jesus says that the truth will make us free, but the title of my sermon is that it will first make us miserable. I hope that you get something out of this week's message, and without further ado, here's the sermon. The truth will make you free, but first, it will make you miserable. Have you ever been locked out? It's a terrible feeling. Maybe you've locked your keys in the car or you've shut the front door of your house, not realizing that you forgot to grab your keys. What do you do in a moment like that? If you're anything like me, you tell yourself, calm down, and you look for options. You try every door twice, but then when you realize it, you come to the painful and annoying realization that you actually need help. That locked door must be opened by somebody else. I've been locked out more times than I care to admit. Most recently, this past Thursday evening, before I left the house, I removed Becca's house key from her ring. I was headed out to drop off her car at the mechanic, and I would be driving home a loner. When I returned home, keyless, I waited outside for 41 minutes. (laughs) Locked out. Becca was upstairs giving baths, brushing teeth, and reading bedtime stories to the kids and totally oblivious to her shivering husband in a polo shirt knocking at the door. I tried the back door, the front door, the side door. I checked the windows. I rang the bell. I called her cell phone, but then I saw it sitting there on the kitchen counter on vibrate. I might have even kicked, no, I definitely kicked the door in frustration. I even went to the front of the house where I could see Becca up in the bathroom window, the the kid's bathroom. The light was on. She was right there. So I did what any, you know, respectable husband would do. I started jumping up and down and wailing my arms and yelling, Becca, Becca. And then I started whistling, just looking like a total fool. And finally, finally, her gaze turned out the window, our eyes locked. And I thought, okay. And I ran back to the side door at the kitchen, and I waited there for 15 more minutes. (laughs) Later, she told me that when she looked out the window, all she saw was darkness. (sighs) Or there was that time that I went into the basement to throw in a load of laundry, and three-year-old Brianna at the time shut the door behind me and locked the deadbolt. I was locked in our basement for over three hours. It wasn't until Becca came home from work and rescued me. 
She opened the door. I not only ran out of the basement, I ran out of the house and I shouted, Freedom! I'm not a claustrophobic person. It was terrifying. Glass block windows in the basement, no way out. If I was to break down the door, it would have fallen on Brianna because she was on the other side of the door crying. Horrifying experience. In today's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you This is good news, amen? But what's fascinating, what's fascinating is that this offends the disciples. There's no amen or hallelujah, freedom. Rather, the disciples respond with an annoyed, maybe even offended, what do you mean? What do you, no, Jesus, no. What are you implying about me? Think about it. By offering them freedom, Jesus implies that they are in bondage. Theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously equated a prison cell to the Christian life. For it's there, he said, that one recognizes that the door to freedom has to be opened from the outside. The doorway to freedom must be opened from the outside. The truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Let's be honest, it's downright painful for us to admit that we have a need in our life. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We can go through the majority of our lives turning doorknobs, knocking on windows, and looking for a spare key to the house. But truth, truth reminds us that these are failed endeavors. The doorway to our freedom must be opened by somebody else. It's no wonder that the truth first makes us miserable and defensive. What do you mean, Jesus? I I don't need anyone's help. I'm doing just fine. I can pick myself up. I can dust myself off. I really don't need anything. Truth reminds us that we are broken. And truth, it offers us humility. Whether we are in high school or in the second half of life, we know the truth about ourselves, don't we? Our lives are never as exciting as our Instagram feeds portray. And we are not as qualified as our resumes might indicate. Humility and honesty surrounding our brokenness is not exactly something that our culture celebrates. I mean, who really wants to admit the truth? I mean, just the other week for my birthday, I had to go to the DMV or the BMV, whatever it's called now, to get a new license to update it. And I waited in line for over an hour. And when it was my turn to go to the counter, I had to take that little eye exam. Close your ears, Ritters, okay? Um, I had to take that little eye exam and I didn't have my glasses or contacts and I started squinting to see the numbers and and I barely got them off. And when I was through with the exam, they said, "Um, sir, do you need glasses or contacts to drive? And I looked at them and I said, no. (laughs) 
okay. And then they said, it's time to update your license. Uh, you're still five foot 11. I said, yeah. Uh, you're still 190 pounds. Yeah. I'm not 190 pounds anymore, folks. We can't tell the truth in our lives about the little things, let alone the major things. It's uncomfortable. We'd rather pretend to have life all figured out. We try to hide our insecurities, our brokenness, our doubts, and the sneaking self-awareness that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is actually right. That we are in bondage. We're in bondage to our appearances. And we neglect to see our created inherent beauty. We are in bondage to doing and we struggle with being. We are in bondage to our possessions and Lord knows we hoard more than we need. We are in bondage to fear and we are crippled with an unhealthy suspicion of our neighbors. We are in bondage to our defense mechanisms and we struggle to even see the truth about ourselves. Scripture puts it so beautifully and so simple. We are in bondage to sin, and we cannot free ourselves. Facing the truth about our bondage, it's vitally important. Not so that we live in perpetual shame or agony. It's important because it helps us recognize our need to be set free. And freedom only ever feels like freedom if you are honest about your captivity. Freedom is only ever freedom if you're honest about your captivity. Songwriter and poet Leonard Cohen puts it this way. He writes, And Jesus was a sailor, when he walked upon the water and he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower and when he knew for certain that only drowning men could see him, he said all men will be sailors then until the sea shall free them. Lutheran pastor and theologian David Lowe says it best. The truth of the Son, the truth that makes you free, the truth at the heart of the 95 theses which Luther nailed to the door at the Wittenberg Church, the truth of the Reformation that we remember and celebrate this Sunday is that we are all sinners. God's fallen, at times flailing, regularly confused, and always imperfect children. From birth all the way to death. Sinners that no amount of indulgences or good works or good intentions or status updates or creative social media posts can redeem. But, here's the second truth, which finally sounds like good news. We are also those sinners who are simultaneously God's beloved children. Those sinners who God calls blessed and holy and perfect those sinners for whom Christ died, those sinners whose futures are not determined by their regrets or their mistakes, but by the possibility that is created in the resurrection. Those sinners whom God loves above all else. We are not perfect. And we do not have to be in order to be loved. 
but it's hard for us to trust that we're really loved, let alone the experience of freedom that comes from knowing you are loved and accepted if we're not honest with ourselves first. So perhaps the best way for us to celebrate the Reformation is not to celebrate it at all, but rather to repeat it. To remember both sides of Paul's mighty words. First, the difficult truth that all have sinned and fallen short in order to hear the good news that all are now justified by God's grace as a gift. For here is a truth that can set you and me free. And it's a truth that still has the capacity to change lives, the church, and the whole world. And so Celia... Lydia, Carissa, Ellen, and Ethan, as you continue in the covenant that God made with you in holy baptism, to live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. May you hear and embrace these words. The door to freedom has already been opened for you. And if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Grace, forgiveness, life, and freedom, these are God's radical and abundant gifts for you. So cling to your faith in the crucified and risen Lord. God loves each of you, and we do too. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.